what is happening in each of our lives. You know what we are thinking and feeling, what we believe, our struggles, our fears, our hopes. And so we just pray, please, that as we, as we open up the Bible, as we meet Jesus, we pray that you would speak to us. And we pray this in, in his name. Amen. So, I mean, let me, and you can probably tell this by just looking at me, I, I'm, I'm not a massive heavy metal fan. Um, you know those cupboards you have in your kitchen with, with all your pots and pans in, and you want the pan at the bottom, and as you pull it out, everything comes crashing onto the floor. Well, that's what heavy metal sounds like to me often, um, quite a lot of it. But every now and again, the, the really good bands come out with with songs that are actually hauntingly beautiful. And their lyrics are often incredibly honest and, and really wonderful lyrics. And so that song that I chose for this series, Anthems of the Age, um, I chose for that reason. I think it's a good example of that. Uh, it's one of the beautiful ballads that has been produced by the, the band called Metallica. Uh, the song is called Low Man's Lyrics, uh, it was written by two members of the band, Lars Ulrich, who's the drummer, and James Hetfield, who you saw, he's the lead vocalist and, and the main songwriter for the band. And if you have no idea who Metallica is, that really doesn't matter. We, we're concerned about the lyrics of the song. Apparently, the song uh, uh, speaks about the thoughts of a homeless man. Uh, I don't know why they chose to write a song about what a homeless man uh, was thinking. But if you read the lyrics, and they, they are on the chair, by the way, if there's a piece of paper there with the lyrics to the song, uh, which you'll find hof- helpful in a minute. But if you read the lyrics, you, you, it's quite obvious that this song is about forgiveness and about the need that people have for forgiveness. I don't know, maybe, maybe they wrote this song about a homeless man uh, as a way of trying to express maybe their own need for forgiveness. I don't know. But regardless of why they wrote it, I think this song describes in a very powerful way and in a very honest way a longing that I think almost every human being eventually has, and that's a longing for forgiveness. In fact, it's interesting. If you, if you go to our friend Google and you type in songs about forgiveness, there's a long list of songs and many of them by some of the very well-known artists of our age. So um, Adele has two of them. Uh, the one was released in 2015. Uh, they were both hits. The one in 2015 is called Hello. And then just last year, that song Easy, Easy On Me, I think it's called, both about forgiveness and the need for forgiveness. Uh, Taylor Swift has one. Uh, Amy Winehouse has one, although there probably could have been more. Uh, but she had one, Lincoln Park, uh, Christina Aguilera, Brian Adams, and so the list goes on. So it does seem as though uh, you know, most of the great artists, at some stage in their, in their career, they sing a song about forgiveness. Uh, and I think that's because it is such a common human experience, a common human need, if you like, uh, the need for forgiveness. I chose the song by by Metallica, though, because of the lyrics. And I think it says some very honest and some very powerful things about about forgiveness. So let's look at what it says, just some of the things. And as I said, the words are on that piece of paper. 
One of the first things you notice is, is the struggle that this homeless man has when he comes face to face with his need for forgiveness. The opening words of the song are repeated a few times in the song, and this is what he says. He says, my eyes seek reality, my fingers seek my veins. This man is desperately longing for the reality that forgiveness will bring. He actually wants the reality of finally facing up to his failures, facing up to the brokenness of his life. He he believes somehow that he's going to find freedom if he can just find forgiveness. But at the same time, at the very same moment, he feels the powerful urge to hide away. He says, my fingers seek my veins. His escape from his need for forgiveness is drugs. Drugs help him forget that he needs forgiveness. And yet at the same time, he desperately wants it. His eyes seek reality. His fingers seek his veins. I think in some way we can identify with that, all of us, at some stage. Uh, I think we have moments where we realize, probably the most honest moments, we realize that we need forgiveness, much like Sarah explained to us in our own life. We need forgiveness for whatever it is that's haunting us. We need forgiveness. We know, somehow we know that it'll set us free. But friends, all too often at the very same time, we find ways to hide away from that need. And whatever that way may be, and sometimes it can be incredibly destructive ways. This man also knows that forgiveness can give him a fresh start. So one, in one verse, he says this. He says, so as I write to you of what he's done and to do, maybe you'll understand and won't cry for this man because low man is due. So he knows, as he looks at his life, he knows it's got about as low as it can get. He's the low man. That's, that's the title of the song. But he says, regardless of what has happened, don't cry for this man because low man is due. His great hope is a fresh start. And he believes if he can just find this forgiveness, that he can maybe live his life the way he wants to. Again, though, there's amazing honesty in the song. Because as much as this low man longs for forgiveness, as much as he wants a fresh start, he, he almost fears finding the forgiveness he needs. Listen to this verse. I think this is a great, a great verse. He says, so low, the sky, so low the sky is all I see. Someone flat on their back. All I want from you is to forgive me. So you bring this poor dog in from the rain though he just wants right back out again. It's a powerful image. Here is this poor dog stuck outside, freezing in the rain, desperately just wants to come inside where it is warm and and safe. But even as someone opens the door, the dog is looking at going back out again. It's almost as if the homeless man is saying to himself, is is the freedom, this freedom of forgiveness, it, it seems too good to be true. Am I worthy of this forgiveness? Am I not just going to mess it all up again? I guess the question is, he's kind of saying, is there actually a forgiveness that is powerful enough to help me break with the past and to start again? Does it actually exist? 
And then, of course, finally, there's, there's the, the, the raw honesty of shame in the song. You can picture him standing in this alley. He says that the trash fire is warm, but nowhere safe from the storm. And I can't bear to see what I've let me be, uh, so wicked and warm. And then later he says, touch clean with dirty hand. I touch the clean to the waste. So he looks at his life, and he's so ashamed of what he has become. He says, basically says, everything I touch turns to waste. Everything I touch becomes dirty. A deep sense of shame. Now, I think we can identify with songs like this, especially when we are more honest with ourselves. We all sense our need for forgiveness at some point. And friends, even if you just know a little bit about Jesus, it probably, you probably know that, that Jesus spoke a lot about forgiveness. Forgiveness really is at the heart of the message that Jesus preached as he traveled around the area of Galilee over 2,000 years ago in Israel. And there's one especially beautiful story about an incident in Jesus' life that shows exactly what Jesus means when he spoke or when he talks about forgiveness. Uh, And the story is actually on the other side of your piece of paper. It comes from Luke's gospel. Luke Luke was one of the people that wrote an account of Jesus' life. And in chapter 7 of Luke's gospel, he tells this story. And he sets the story up for us in verse 36, the very first verse. He says, Jesus has been invited by a Pharisee named Simon to come and have a meal in Simon's home. I'm not going to read the story. We're just going to, we're going to work our way through it. So have it, have it there in front of you. So this Pharisee Simon has invited Jesus for a meal. And the Pharisees were a group of Jewish religious people uh, who lived at that time. And, and they really clashed with Jesus right from the very beginning. From the start of his public life, as Jesus went out and spoke in public, they clashed with Jesus. They didn't like Jesus. They didn't like what Jesus said. In particular, they didn't like what Jesus said about forgiveness. They didn't like what he said about who should be forgiven and how people should be forgiven and who should give the forgiveness. They they didn't like what Jesus said. And Simon is one of them. Four times in the story, Luke reminds us of that. Simon is a Pharisee. And at first, it's not really clear why he invites Jesus to his home. If he dislikes him so much, why would he have Jesus in his home? But you see, the one thing is for sure. This is a big night for Simon. Like him or not, Jesus has caused quite a stir in Galilee. He's the hottest item, if you like, on the social social circuit in Galilee. Everyone's talking about him. And so this this is quite a big thing. This is quite a coup for Simon. He's managed to get Jesus into his home for a meal. And so he's invited all his friends to come along and and to be a part of this. So his home that night, that was the place to be. It's a big night for Simon. So can you imagine what he must have felt and thought when a certain lady crashed his big party? And not just any lady, everyone, everyone knew who she was. In fact, you can imagine that there were some men in that room that night 
that it would have been horrified if people had known just how well they knew who she was. Simon, uh, Luke sorry, describes her as a woman who had lived a life of sin, who had lived a sinful life. That, that's it's probably a nice way of saying that she was a prostitute. She, she's the most popular act at the local strip club. So you can imagine Simon watching this, frozen with horror, as this woman walks into the room, into his big party, and walks straight to Jesus, his guest of honor. As Jesus is lying on the floor, that's how you had supper. You would lie on pillows, the food in the middle, your feet towards the outside. And this woman walks right up to Jesus, and she is weeping. She is crying. She never says a word. But she walks right up to Jesus, and she starts to wet Jesus' feet uh, with, his, with her tears. And then she does something even more horrific. She lets her hair down. For a woman to publicly let her hair down like that was just, I mean, you just didn't do that. It, it was like a, an act of seduction. But that is not what she's trying to do. She wants to take her hair and use it to wipe Jesus' feet where she's allowed her tears to fall on his feet. And then she takes a jar of perfume. It, it was probably the most expensive and precious thing that she owned. It's more than likely she was keeping this for a very special day, probably the day, hopefully the day that she gets married. And she takes this perfume, this expensive thing, a gift, and breaks it onto Jesus' feet. And she kisses his feet. It really is the most incredible, lavish, and very public display of love. This is all this woman can think to do, to try and show just how how much she loves this man. She wants to give him her most prized possession. She wants to treat him in a way that expresses her, her, her powerful love for him. She wants to serve him. She wants to show him kindness. She, wants to, she, she, she just wants to be with Jesus. And of course, Simon is horrified as he watches he can't actually believe what's happening right in front of him in his home at his big party. And he's thinking to himself, how on earth can Jesus allow this? Tomorrow, this is going to be the gossip of the town. In fact, Twitter and TikTok's probably on fire already. There's videos and memes and all kinds of stuff going on. And we begin to kind of understand now how Simon really feels about Jesus. As this, this horror plays itself in front of him, he realizes maybe actually he shouldn't be that surprised. He says to himself, if this guy was really a prophet of God, then he wouldn't allow this. He would see who this woman is. He would rebuke her. He would chase her away. He would not let her touch his feet. Jesus wouldn't allow this if he was really a prophet. Yeah, maybe this confirms what he's thought about Jesus all along. He knew Jesus would eventually show his true colors. Maybe this is why Simon actually invited Jesus to his home. Maybe, maybe this is actually what he was hoping for. Imagine being able to expose Jesus 
in his home. I mean, that would be the event of the year. But friends, as you, as you read the life of Jesus, Jesus had this incredibly scary ability to know what people were thinking. You see, he actually is the great prophet from God. You couldn't hide anything from Jesus. And, and Jesus knows exactly what's going on in Simon's mind. And so look at what happens next, verse 40 to 43. He tells Simon a little story. Verse 40, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to, to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said, not knowing what he's walking into. So Jesus says, two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and another 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Jesus said, you've judged correctly. It's a simple story. Makes a simple point. The bigger the debt that is cancelled, the greater the love. Not difficult to understand, and Simon gets it. He gets the point of the story. But does Simon understand how Jesus has just exposed what's going on in his heart? Notice how, how Jesus now turns in verse 44. He turns to the woman. He looks at her. You see, Jesus sees her. No one else does, but Jesus sees her. Jesus acknowledges her in front of all these people who, if they see her walking down the road, go to the other side. These people who have written her off and condemned her as a sinner, Jesus sees her. He looks at her. And as he's looking at her, he speaks to Simon. And he says to Simon, do you see this woman? And of course, the answer to that question is no, he doesn't. Certainly not the way Jesus does. Simon just sees a condemned sinner. But Jesus says to Simon, while he's still looking at this woman, he said, you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet, uh, but she wet feet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. This woman has risked public shame. She has given up her most prized possession, all so that she can openly express her love for Jesus. But Simon, as the host of the party, has not even shown common good manners. He has not welcomed Jesus the way he should have. Simon actually couldn't have really have been more unkind, more disrespectful, more unloving if he tried. And so, so there is a massive difference between the way this woman has treated Jesus and the way Simon has. And Jesus explained why, explains why in verse 7. Again, still looking at the woman, he says to Simon, therefore I, therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. See, there is a massive difference between Simon and this woman. There is a big difference between them. 
But the difference is not what Simon thinks the difference is. The difference is not what everyone else in the room thinks the difference is. The difference is not the size of their debts. That's not the difference. What sets them apart is not how much forgiveness they need. What sets them apart is that this woman has actually come to Christ for forgiveness. But Simon hasn't. That's the difference. Did you notice in the little story that Jesus told to Simon? Both have a debt. The one is massive. The one is huge. The other is small. But neither can repay the debt. Both have to have the debt forgiven. Regardless of the size of the debt. They were both in the the same situation. And so this woman has has come to see that, that because of Jesus, she has been forgiven. That devastating, crushing guilt that she'd been, li- been living with has been taken away. She's been forgiven. Now, we don't know how that happened. Something has happened before this dinner. She's probably heard Jesus as Jesus has traveled around preaching and, and telling people about this message of forgiveness. She's heard Jesus and it has struck her heart. It has hit home with her. And she has responded to Jesus. And she has received this forgiveness that Jesus speaks about. This, this, this forgiveness that she has so desperately longed for. Uh, a need that she has been hiding from through sex or whatever it might have been. And she's come to Jesus and found it. This is the forgiveness that has made it possible for her to actually make a fresh start. It's the forgiveness, if you like, that has brought the dog in from the rain. It's forgiveness that has taken away all her shame. And, And she knows, I haven't been given this because I'm worthy. I haven't been given this because I've earned it. This forgiveness has not put me on probation and say, well, if you blow it again, you're out. It's not that kind of forgiveness. This is the most powerful liberating, life-changing, unconditional forgiveness anyone could receive and that eventually everyone actually needs. And she's found it. Or rather, through Jesus, it has found her. And Jesus even confirms that fact. Again, looking at her, imagine what she must have felt like in this audience with all eyes on her. And he says to the woman, he reminds her again, he says, your sins are forgiven. Verse 50, he says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And when he says faith, you can, you can put the word trust. You have trusted in me. You are forgiven. Go in peace. You see, in Jesus, she has met and received the forgiveness that has saved her life, that has finally brought her the peace that she's longed for. It's not surprising, is it, that she behaves the way that she does. Who wouldn't love Jesus once you've received that kind of forgiveness? She's lit, Jesus has, lit, has literally brought about the, the birth of a brand new life for her. Something that she, she dreamt of and never thought possible is becoming a reality in her life. She loves Jesus much because she's been forgiven much. Now Simon knows nothing of that. You see, because Simon doesn't see his debt the way this woman sees, saw her debt. He thinks his debt is very small. 
In fact, when he compares his debt to hers, he thinks, well, it's like nothing. Simon believes he can pay this debt himself. But of course he can't. That was the point of Jesus' story. Big or large, it doesn't matter. You cannot pay this debt. The debt is unpayable. The debt needs to be forgiven. And so Simon, just he cannot see Jesus the way the woman does because he does not yet understand the forgiveness he needs from Jesus. You see, Simon's guests actually ask a very important question in verse 49. They say, who is this who even forgives sins? And they are absolutely right. A very, very good question. These are people who understand the theory of forgiveness. They know the theory of forgiveness. You see, who must do the forgiving? Who must do it? It's a very important question. Who has the ability and the authority to forgive? If you look at Metallica's song, they don't seem to know the answer to that question. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. That's what the homeless man says. All I need is for you to forgive me. But you never know in the song who he's speaking to. I'm not sure he knows. But what Simon's guests and what Metallica do seem to understand is that forgiveness is about relationship. You see, forgiveness is not something that you kind of just develop in your life. You know, like sometimes you might wake up in the morning and say, well, you know, from today I'm just going to try and be more positive. Or, or from today, I'm just, or New Year's resolutions, I, I want to be a kinder person this year. That's not how forgiveness works. You don't wake up one morning and say, well, from today, I think I just, I want to, I want to know that I'm forgiven. I'm a forgiven person. It's not how it works. Forgiveness is about relationship. There's someone on the other side of forgiveness. There's someone who has to give it. There's something you have done to break that relationship. And you need their forgiveness. And so you see, Simon's guests quite rightly ask the question, who is this who even forgives sins? There's something else they understand about forgiveness. They know that the forgiveness we ultimately need the most is forgiveness from God. That's the person on the other side. Of course, yes, we need forgiveness from people, from the people we've wronged. But these guys understand that even the sins I commit, even the smallest sins I commit against another person are ultimately against God. Since they were children, these Jewish people have been taught what, what, what God says in the Old Testament. They've been taught that sin, all of sin, the big and the small, is ultimately about saying to God, I want to live in your world the way I want to live. I don't care what you've said. I want to do what I want to do. And they understand from the, from the Bible that the creature cannot just say that to the creator and get away with it. They understand that every human being owes the debt, a debt to God because of the way we've treated God. And it's a debt we cannot pay. So, you see, when Jesus says to this woman, your sins are forgiven, they say to Jesus, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? It's a valid question. Because G Jesus knows as well that only God can forgive sin. 
in the end. That's the forgiveness this woman needs. Who is Jesus to give it? You see, when Jesus deliberately says to her, your sins are forgiven, he is making a very, very big claim. He's giving what only God can give. He's claiming to be God. That's the most important claim that Jesus actually makes in his life. He claims to be God in the flesh, God as man, living here on earth. And his mission was to bring this forgiveness, the forgiveness that everyone needs, including this woman, including Simon and his guests, including the homeless man in Metallica's song, including the members of the band themselves, friends, including all of us sitting here this morning. Jesus came to forgive the forgiveness we need the most, forgiveness that only God can give. So rightly they say, who do you think you are? But you see, there's something else that they're asking when they ask that question. Because the Old Testament had also taught them that it's not only God who can give this forgiveness, but this this forgiveness is not free. A debt has to be paid. So at the center of their religious lives was the temple in Jerusalem. At the center of the temple is a little building, a little room called the Holy of Holies. And just outside the Holy of Holies was an altar. And the Holy of Holies represented the very presence of God. And so they had grown up, and they had been taught about, and then seen, and then themselves brought sacrifices to be offered on this altar. Because the message from God is clear. The debt we owe for our sin is death. That's the debt. The ultimate consequence of saying to the God of life, that I'm going to live in your world the way I want to live, is that you are cut off from him, and it leads to death. The holy and pure God doesn't just turn a blind eye. He destroys sin. It leads to death. You see, sometimes I think maybe what we do is we we take sin and we make it into a little word. It's just breaking some rules, some rules that I didn't even agree with to to start with. Uh, You know, sin is just being a little bit naughty, sometimes a lot naughty. But it's just naughtiness. But you see, that's not what the Bible says about sin. The Bible says the essence of sin, big and and small, is deeply personal. It's, It's saying to God, you have no right to be God in your world. You have no right to be God in my life. I will do what I want to do. And friends, that God, God cannot just ignore that. He won't just ignore that. Ultimately, sin leads to death. That's the debt. And Simon's guests understood that. But you see also that whole sacrificial system, what it had taught them is that God has provided a way. Yes, the consequences of sin is death. But God has provided a way for another to pay the debt so that you can be forgiven. That's the point of the sacrifices. And so Simon's guests are saying to Jesus, not only who do you think you are to forgive sins, but how? On what basis do you forgive this woman's sin? Where's the sacrifice? Who pays the price? And of course they're right. Forgiveness is not free. Again, though, Jesus knows the answer to that question. You don't have it in front of you, I'll read it to you, but a few chapters later in his gospel, Luke writes this, chapter 9, verse 51. 
He says, as the time approached for him, that is Jesus, to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He's writing there about Jesus' death. So after three years of publicly going around preaching this, this, this message of forgiveness, Jesus resolutely, deliberately sets course for Jerusalem. He willingly goes to Jerusalem where he's nailed to a cross and crucified and dies. That was not an accident. That was not a life ended in failure. That was the whole mission. That was deliberate. He deliberately went to Jerusalem. He deliberately, willingly gave up his life to be killed on a cross. It was his moment of great victory, not his moment of defeat. When Jesus says to this woman, your sins are forgiven, you see, Jesus says it knowing not just who he is, but that he's on his way to go pay the debt for her. He's going to pay the price. He's going to die in her place. That's the story of the Bible. That Jesus is God himself come to, to fulfill the promises that God has made in the Old Testament. He fulfills them in the person of Jesus. He pays the debt so that people can be forgiven. He became one of us. He lived amongst us. He, he was exactly like us except that Jesus never sinned. Jesus always did exactly what his father wanted him to do. Jesus' great joy was to live in God's world, God's way. And so Jesus lives the way you and I should live, and then he dies the way you and I should die. And he dies in our place, because we didn't live the way he did. And so through, through the man Jesus, this is the great message of the Christian faith, through the man Jesus, God has offered himself as the perfect sacrifice to pay for the forgiveness that you and I so desperately need. And it's not a forgiveness you have to earn. You can't. It's not a, 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 a forgiveness that you somehow have to pay God back for. You can't. It's, a freely, it's freely given to us as a gift paid for by Jesus as he pays our debt in full. It's unconditional forgiveness. It doesn't put us on probation that you can suddenly lose it one day because you've blown it again. This forgiveness, friends, is a forgiveness that holds on to us even when we fail to hold on to it. Now that's the message of forgiveness that Jesus preached. It's the forgiveness that this woman has received. And it's the same forgiveness, friends, that is on offer today through the gospel to everyone sitting here this morning. That's the forgiveness that lies at the heart of the Christian message. It's the only forgiveness that can give us the freedom we so long for. It's the only forgiveness that can give us a fresh start, take away our shame. See, I think there are two ways that you can try and hide from your need for forgiveness. You can go the way of the homeless man. You can go the way of the woman who was at Simon's party. You can try and hide from your need for forgiveness by giving your heart what your heart wants. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll, whatever it might be. Living wild. Picture goth Sarah. Just doing whatever you want to do. 
hiding from your need for forgiveness. But you see, the other way to hide is to go the way of Simon and his guests. The other way is to hide behind your goodness. I don't need this forgiveness. I'll pay the debt myself. But you can't. You can't hide behind nice, decent respectability. Your debt is not so small that you can pay it yourself through your own goodness. It's the point of the story. Both debts were unpayable. Both debts had to be forgiven. So I guess my question to you as as we come to an end is, where would you put yourself in this story? Do you identify with this woman? Do you understand what it means to love Jesus like this? That you want to serve him and give him all that you have because you know how much you've been forgiven. I, I know there are many, many, many in this room who love Jesus that way. Sarah does. But maybe some of you here this morning are still hiding from your need for forgiveness. And maybe some of you are hiding by giving your heart whatever your heart wants. Maybe some of you this morning are hiding behind your goodness. Either way, you don't know this kind of love for Jesus. Friends, we all need this forgiveness. We all need what only Jesus can give. And as a church, we want to help you find it. We want, we want to help you to know Christ the way this woman did, the way Sarah does, the way many other do, do, others do here this morning. And you might still have questions, and that's, that's fine. And, and Royden uh, will mention a way to come and have some of those, answers, those questions answered in a minute. But maybe you're sitting here this morning and you realize already, I need this forgiveness. This is what I need. And I actually want to stop hiding. Friends, maybe not because of my words, but because of the story, because of Jesus, you've actually heard God speaking to you this morning. And so if that is the case, then the way to start, the way to respond to that, you don't have to do anything special. You just need to speak to God. Just pray. That's praying, speaking to God. And so I'm gonna, I want to help you do that. I'm going to read a prayer. And if you think, if you are happy to or comfortable to, to pray these words as your own, then I will read them again slowly and you can pray them after me. Just in the quietness of your heart and mind, say these words to, to God. So this is the prayer I'm going to pray. Father, I've tried to hide from it in many ways, but I realize that my greatest need is forgiveness from you. I've started to understand that only Jesus offers the forgiveness I need. Please, will you help me to receive it? Please help me to find freedom and make a fresh start because of your forgiveness. I'm going to ask everyone just to bow their heads and close their eyes. But if you want to pray this prayer, I'll read it slowly. And you can pray it after me as your own words as you speak to God. Father... I have tried to hide from it in many ways, but I realize that my greatest need is forgiveness from you. I have started to understand that only Jesus offers the forgiveness I need. Please will you help me to receive it? 
please help me to find freedom and to make a fresh start because of your forgiveness. Amen.